you have your Bibles this morning, I ask you to turn them, please, to James chapter number 1. And we'll get there in just a minute. But I've just got to say a word about how good God is. How many know the Lord has blessed us around here? And we are so very thankful for that. What a powerful time of worship. Thank you, Brother Scotty and worship team, for just doing what the Lord has called you to do and gifted you to do. Man, it's always a blessing to be able to bring praise unto the Lord, for He alone is worthy of our praise. You don't hear of many dancing Baptists, but buddy, you about saw one whenever we started singing that, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. Do you realize what that means? That the same power that raised up Jesus is the exact same power that has given you the newness of life when you were converted, when you believed on Christ? Do you realize that that same Jesus did resurrect you, but He is resurrecting you daily? The power of God enables us to be what God wants us to be. That's amazing. Wow, how powerful that song is. Thank you so much for that. And uh, man, all of you were sounding good too. What a blessing it was just to be able to worship the Lord with you uh, right here today. Now for the last four or five weeks, we have been focusing on the family and there's a reason for that, a powerful reason for it. Let me tell you what we know to be true. We know that the family is the foundation of the nation. If you believe that, say amen. If you want a stronger, more godly society, a strongly more godly nation, then it must start with our family. It must start uh, with us, where we live. And so we're doing everything we can possibly do here at Mount Zion to strengthen families. Because I know when we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. Can you say amen to that? I mean, no, that's all the world this is, just a collection of families that come together for the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're looking to the Word of God, to His absolute truth, and finding out what it means to have a strong family according to His standard. Now, how do we do that? Well, we do it in two ways. First of all, we hear the Word of God. Now, how many of you understand that it is very, very important that you hear the Word of God? If you believe it, say amen this morning. So it's, it's a good thing that you are here today under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I'm thankful that you are here today under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. But now, folks, if all we do is hear it, we're going to miss out on what God has for us. If all we do is just hear it on Sunday and we don't heed it on Monday then we've missed out on what we've heard on Sunday. See, we must hear the Word of God, but then we must heed the Word of God. To hear is to acknowledge God's Word as truth, as His absolute truth, His standard, His love letter to us. But to heed the Word of God means that you apply that Word of God to your life. You apply it to, to your life as a husband. You apply it to your life as a wife. You apply it to your family so that you might be all that God has purposed you to be. So we got to hear the Word of God. That's what we're doing today. But then when you leave this place, you've got to heed it. You've got to apply it under your life. Or if you don't apply it, then you're going to miss out on the power of what God is saying to all of us. You've got to relinquish your will to His will, apply His truth to your life, and it'll make all the difference in your home, in your family, in your marriage. Now, if the family is the foundation for the nation, then the foundation of a godly family is the godly marriage. So we want to strengthen marriages. We started out by looking at what God's Word says a marriage is supposed to be. God's divine design. Then we looked at the role of a godly husband in the marriage. Then we looked at the role of a godly wife. And then last week, we looked at the importance of communication in a godly marriage. How we communicate. We looked at the power, first of all, of communication. The Bible says that we can speak life or we can speak death with our words. 
Now listen, you can speak life or you can speak death into your marriage and into your home with your words. There is great power in communication. But then we also saw the problem with communication. And there are many problems that go along with uh, communicating with one another. I, I just I, I communicate uh, uh, what's what I'm trying to do with you this morning. And it can be tough from time to time before, because all of us are different. And we'll get more into that in just a moment. We saw the power of communication, the problems with communication. And then last week we also saw some very practical ways that we can and should be communicating in the husband and wife relationship. So uh, it, all of that's important. I heard a man say one time, if you don't communicate with your mate, your marriage will disintegrate. And you remember that. That's exactly the truth. If you don't communicate with your mate... Your relationship will disintegrate. So you've got to learn to communicate. You've got to be willing to open up those lines of communication. And that can, oh, that's not always a popular or an easy thing because you bury your soul somewhat. You talk about your hopes and your dreams and your faults and your failures, your deepest, darkest secrets. You talk about all of that. But you need to be willing to do so if you're going to have that fifth level of communication like we talked about last week, that freedom level where you're free to share with your mate, with your spouse, anything and everything. And that's what we want to get to. So, now, how many of you know, though, listen, we can know what God says a marriage should be. We can know our role in the marriage as husbands and wives. We can even know the importance and power of communication. But now, let me say this. What we've got to know, each and every one of us, is how to deal with conflict. How to effectively communicate through conflict. How many of you know you can communicate through conflict? And conflicts, say if, you, if, if done the right way, for the right reason, for the right purpose, it can actually be very productive to a marriage. We need to know how to um, uh, communicate effectively through conflict. Or if you like the title better, fight a good fight, we need to learn how to fight a good fight. We'll use that one. But either way, listen, you've got to know how to deal with conflict because we're all going to face it. Now I'm going to tell you something. I've got a great marriage. I've got a, uh, a, 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 a very happy marriage. We really do. The Lord has blessed us. And um, I'm thankful for my wife. But folks, I don't have a perfect marriage. And you don't have a perfect marriage. None of us have a perfect marriage. Amen? To have a perfect marriage, that means you'd have to have some perfect husbands. We got any of those wives? To have a perfect marriage, that means you've got to have some perfect wives. We got any of those husbands? Thank you, brother. <laughs> hey, there are none. There are no perfect husbands or perfect wives. There's no perfect marriages. We need to learn how to deal with conflict because it's going to arise. I heard a man say one time that, uh, uh, that the, the honeymoon season is that period of time between I do and you'd better. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that in some places. Dr. Tony Evans says that a lot of marriages look as though they've been performed by the Secretary of War rather than the Justice of Peace. There's a lot of truth in that with some marriages. I, I was uh, reading last, just last week about Sylvester Stallone. Many of you know him as Rocky. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Everybody loves Rocky. Look, I love Rocky. If you don't love Rocky, I'm going to pray for you. Matter of fact, if, you don't, if you've never watched Rocky IV and seen Rocky beat up that big Russian and you didn't get chills all over your body when that happened, what I want you to do today is come up to this altar and get your heart right with Jesus. Because 
Everybody ought to love Rocky. I love Rocky. They was interviewing Sylvester Stallone not shortly after um, one of the Rocky movies, and he had spent about six hours a day in the boxing scenes um, training to make sure that what he was doing was going to look real on camera. Six days of boxing, all right? Or six hours a day, excuse me, of boxing. And so after he was finished one day with filming, there was a newspaper reporter there, and they began interviewing Sylvester Stallone. They asked him, they said, what do you think about uh, the, the, the sport of boxing? He said, I think boxing is a fantastic sport as long as you can say cut. <laughs> I love that. You know what he's saying, don't you? When you're taking them rights and you're taking them lefts and you're in that ring and you're in the midst of that fight, in the midst of that conflict, it's fantastic as long as you can say, y'all, time out, cut, wait a minute. we got to get things figured out here. He didn't like it so much if it just kept going. Now, folks, how many of you know in the conflicts that we face in marriage, and we face our share of them, all of us do, it's time, sometimes we'd like to say, cut, hang on, wait a minute. But how many know you can't do that? Why? Because we live with one another. Because we're committed to this covenant relationship like my brother spoke about this morning of a husband and wife before the Lord. So we've got to learn to work through that conflict constructively. We've got to learn to fight a good fight. We've got to learn to communicate effectively through the conflicts that we have because we all have them. I believe me, in the Price household, we have some spirited discussions from time to time, but that's okay as long as we do it the right way for the right reason, for the honor and glory of God and for the help of our marriage. Let's look in James chapter 1, and I want to give you three points from one verse of Scripture this morning that will help you deal with conflict in your marriage. We're going to learn how to fight a good fight. He says in verse number 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Everybody say swift to hear. Slow to speak. And slow to wrath. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you've given me this morning. I can do nothing in and of myself. Matter of fact, Lord, I want to do nothing in and of myself. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to be a hindrance. Lord, I want to be a help. And I know it's through your power, Holy Spirit, that you can help me to be a help to others. So Lord, today, fill me up and pour me out and use me for your honor and your glory. Show us, Lord, what your word says in Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we have conflict? Why do we sometimes have those spirited discussions that we all have from time to time? Well, we talked a lot about it last week because we're different. Husbands and wives are different as night and day. There was a popular book out just a few years ago that was called, uh, what was it, Women Are From Mars, Men Are From Venus. Is that right? Or maybe it was the other way around. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers preached a message one time. I heard him say that uh, women are from Mars, men are from Venus, or whatever the case may be, but marriage is from heaven. And he's right. A marriage done God's way is from heaven and can be heavenly. It certainly can. But men and women are very different. We've got different likes and dislikes. We're different because we've been created to be different. We're created for different purposes. I'm going to tell you something. Men and women, husbands and wives, they are equal in person, but they're not seen. That, that's the problem that I think is happening today in our society to a great deal. We're trying to cause men and women to be same, and we're just not. Husbands and wives are not same. Men and women are not same simply because God created us to be different. We have different personalities. If you remember a few months ago, 
um, we done a personality test right here in service. And uh, I looked at my wife's after the service was over with. And she looked at mine. And we found out we're more different than we even thought we were. We're on the complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to what personalities me and her have. Uh, we don't, we're not the same really in any category. Now it's amazing by the grace of God and by the power of God. And when you take the truth of the word of God and apply it to your life, how that God can take things that are so very different and polish each one just a little bit and make them fit together in a way that pleases him and is a blessing to others. God can do that. And he wants to do that. Matter of fact, I believe he's made us different so that he might make us one. <laughs> can you say Amen very important that we see the differences that we have we realize them the purpose for them and then act accordingly so because we're different different personalities we're different physically we're certainly different emotionally there is going to come times when we have conflict in our marriages so the book of James talks to these brethren this church these people of God, about how to deal with conflict. And I can promise you, if you will apply this to your marriage, it'll work. I'll promise you this. If you're not married here today, if you're single or you're, you've yet to be married, uh, uh, folks, I want you to know, if you apply this to any conflict that you have, it'll be a blessing to you. But it certainly works in the marital relationship. First of all, the, uh, uh, the uh, uh, book of James tells us to be quick to listen or swift to hear. Let me give you what I want to say there. Let me give you my commentary on that. He says, listen up. I remember when I was a little boy and I was a kinder, in, a, in, the, in kindergarten, my kindergarten teacher, Miss Brown, came to me one day and she said, uh, Israel, what I want you to do, son, is put your listening ears on. <laughs> and, and I think that's exactly, and I needed to because if you'd have seen me when I was a kid, you'd have seen why she said that. But um, that's what we need to do. We need to put our listening ears on in the midst of, of the conflict that we have. Listen, being a preacher, I struggle with that. Because I like to talk. Y'all know I like to talk. Some of you like to talk. And that's okay. God can use that too. But I want you to know when it comes to conflict, you've got to be willing to, listen, shut your mouth and open your ears. The Lord is continually showing me, telling me, uh, teaching me that He has given me two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to be listening twice as much as we talk. I want to give you three sub-points under this first one. First of all, I want to talk to you about the importance of listening to one another in the midst of conflict. Now, it, it's important that we listen because when you listen to your spouse, guess what you do? You encourage them to talk. Somebody say amen to that. Now, when you don't, the opposite is true. When you choose not to listen, and it is a choice, when you choose not to listen, a lot of times they'll just clam up and won't say nothing. Matter of fact, me and my wife have been sitting in our living room. And because I'm not focusing on what she's saying, she says I'm not listening or I have selective hearing. Um, she'll look over at me and says, are you not listening to me? Just because, well, she knows me, amen, and she knows what's going on in the living room when I'm not focusing on what she's trying to tell me. And a lot of times she'll just clam up. She'll say, well, if you ain't going to listen, I ain't going to tell you. And she won't tell me. Has that ever happened to y'all? I know it don't happen to y'all. Y'all perfect. Y'all super spiritual. But at the price house, from time to time, that happens. She'll say, are you listening? I'll say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm listening. She'll say, well, I ain't telling you nothing else. 
So when you choose to listen and they know you're listening, then guess what happens? That opens up the lines of communication and they're much more willing to talk and that's what we've got to have. So that's why listening is so very important. Listen, the second reason why listening is important because you're going to, if you really listen, you're going to start understanding where the other person comes from. Now, if she or he is different than I am emotionally, whatever your case is, husbands or wives, I want you to understand and know that you've got to really listen to figure out where they're coming from if you're different from them. See, there are some things that bother my wife that don't bother me. I couldn't give a rip about, but it bothers her. Why? We are different. And if I really want to know where she's coming from and what problem is being addressed with the conflict that we're having, I've got to listen, put my listening ears on so that I might understand where she is because I'm different than her. If you're getting this, say amen. So we listen. The importance of listening is that, first of all, um, we'll open up the lines of communication and encourage the other one to talk, but also um, it allows us to really understand where they're coming from with whatever conflict that we're having. Now, let me give you the next one. The next one is why we don't listen. Why don't we listen? Well, first one's ego. We're prideful. We don't think we need to listen because we've got the problem figured out anyway. They just won't listen to us so we can tell them. Right? We know how to fix it. Guys, don't we? I mean, we know how to fix it. If she'd just listen, everything would be okay. That's how we feel sometimes. That's how we operate sometimes. And when we do that, it completely shuts down our wives. Well, if you already know anyway, I'm not even going to talk to you. Right? So sometimes we don't listen Because of ego. In the midst of conflict, a lot of times we don't listen. Let me tell you why. Because we're trying to figure out what we're going to come back with. I ain't listening to what she's saying to me. You may tell you why? Because I'm pissing gooder when she gets done. (laughs) I'm already thinking about how I can debate this out and win the argument. See, we're too concerned a lot of times with winning the argument than fixing the problem. We're too concerned a lot of times because we're prideful. Of out-talking the other one because we like to talk. And we do that. Conflicts, they don't get better, they get worse. Trust in the relationship don't get better, it gets worse. We don't grow closer together, we grow farther apart. But when you deal with conflict the right way, all of that can be changed. So that's why we don't listen. Now I want to give you some pointers on how to listen. Dr. James Dobson gave four of them that I want to give to you, and this blessed my soul. He said, first of all, we need to listen through observation. See, we don't just listen with um, our ears. We listen with our eyes. We observe what's going on with our mate. Not just what they're saying, but how they're saying it. We look at body language. That means a lot. It really does. Matter of fact, my wife knows me so well. She does listen through observation. I can walk into my house having had a rough day at work. I don't have to say nothing to her. If things didn't go right at work and there's something going on, I can walk in and immediately she'll say, what's wrong? I ain't said nothing to her. She can take a look at my face and understand something's going on with me. Now, a lot of times I'll say nothing. Guys, you ever say that? Because like we talked about before, you've already spoke your 7,000 words. You're tired of talking. 
She's just getting warmed up on her 20,000 words. Right? And so we say nothing, hoping that it'll all go away, but it doesn't because she sees something's wrong. But I've come to find out I've studied her enough. I'm studying her like a pop test, I'm telling you. And, and I found out I can tell by her body language what she means. I can tell if she's happy about something by her body language. I can tell, listen, through listening with my eyes, I can tell if she's sad about something, if she's mad about something. I can tell a whole lot by the head shake. Now, guys, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's ingrained in the DNA of every woman to have the head shake. Well, they can actually take the muscles and the vertebrae in their neck and put them in neutral. You know what I'm saying? And it'll, it'll go something like this. Well, I'll tell you one thing. She ain't going to do that to mine or mine. She ain't doing that to me. She ain't doing that to my kids. Ain't nobody saying that to me. Now, I can tell when that head shake starts happening, mama ain't happy and nobody ain't fixing to be happy. Now, what she's done, though, she's passed that down to my daughters. It's in their DNA, too, and every woman. And now they want to give the head shake. Well, I tell you what, Daddy. You said you was going to do this, and you ain't done it. Don't just listen with your ears. Listen with your eyes, guys. This will help you. If you listen to me, pay attention to how they're acting. Not just what they're saying, but what they look like. Listen through observation. Let me give you another one. Listen through concentration. Concentrate really on what they're saying. Now, it's very, very hard to concentrate when you're stressed out. It's very hard to concentrate when you're hungry. It's very hard to concentrate when you are con concentrate on them, when you've got something else that is gaining your attention. <laughs> Amen? So maybe you don't need to talk about these hot button issues when you're stressed out. Maybe you don't need to talk about them as soon as you get home from work. Maybe you need to chill out a little bit. Calm down a little bit. And then talk about whatever is bothering you. Whatever the problem is. And then attack the problem. I am convinced, I am convinced that most marriages could be saved with a nap and a T-bone steak. Chill out. Calm down. Go get you something good to eat. Because guess what happens a lot of times? We'll get hungry, then we'll get hangry. I'm serious about that. Makes a difference. Never, ever, ever argue on an empty stomach. It's good advice, I'm telling you. Concentrate. Concentrate. Let me give you another one. Not only do we need to see, listen through observation and concentration, but what about consideration? Don't just listen to what she's saying, guys, or wives, don't just listen to what he's saying, but listen to what they mean. What do they mean by what they're saying? Listen to me now. A lot of times, ladies, y'all know this is true. Y'all will say stuff y'all don't really mean. And even though you want us to communicate, you make it very difficult. Baby, where do you want to go eat? Well, I tell you what, I, I, don't, I don't care. Wherever you want to go, honey, that's, that's fine. Wherever you want to go is fine with me. All right, let's go to Logan's Roadhouse. I love those peanuts. I don't really want Logan's. Okay. 
Well, let's, let's go to, uh, let's go over to Cracker Barrel. Y'all know I love them biscuits. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. I really wasn't in the mood for Cracker Barrel. All right, where you want to go? I don't care. It's up to you. Wherever you want to go. Okay, let's, let's go to Five Guys. Y'all know I love them burgers. Let's go to Five Guys. I'm really not in the mood for a burger. Forget it. We're going home. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all ain't saying what you mean, ladies. A lot of times we just want to know. And you, listen, this is the part, this is the problem that gets me. You want us to know what you're thinking without telling us what you're thinking. Right? Well, Brother Israel, if he really loved me, then he'd know what I was thinking. If he paid attention, then he'd know. No, he don't. He's not a mind reader. Make it easy on yourself. Make it easy on him. Just tell him. Just tell him. He's asking. Consider not just what they're saying, but what they're meaning. Let me show you. Let me, let me give you one more. Not only does it need to be observation and, um, and consideration, and, and, and what was the other? What? And concentration. Let me give you this one. Clarification. Because communicating is a difficult thing. Make sure it's clear what's being said, what the problem is. Because if you don't get that clear, you ain't never going to fix it. And a lot of times when me and my wife have a fight, I go back and I'll sit down and think, what in the world is she talking about? But then after I really start thinking about it and get out of my feelings and start looking at this to attack the problem, I think, you know, she's probably right. More often than not, she is. So that's how you listen. Observation, concentration, consideration, clarification. Now, he don't only say, listen up, but let me say something else he says. He says, slow to speak in the next part of that verse, doesn't he? James 1.19. Slow to speak, if, if, if being swift to hear means to listen up, being slow to speak means to shut up. And that's what some of y'all need to do. Shut up. How, you say, brother, how you know I need to shut up? Because I know how I am, and I need to shut up from time to time. And the hardest thing for me to do when I think I'm right is to shut up. The hardest thing for me to do when I'm really passionate about something is shut up. And I find out a lot of times it's not as much what I say that bothers my wife, it's how I say it. Just the other day, we were having a discussion about something that didn't even have nothing to do with us. We were on the phone. And, 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 and I was talking to her, and she's talking to me. And y'all know how I get. Sometimes I just get stupid, man. I guess my voice probably gets louder than what I even think it is. Because a lot of times, y'all ask, I've had people ask me when you leave in service, Brother, are you mad at us? No, I'm not mad at you. Believe me, I'm not mad at anybody. I am passionate. If I'm not passionate, you don't need me as your pastor. If I'm not passionate about truth, if I'm not passionate about service to the Lord, if I'm not passionate about this church and about you and your family, then you don't need me. So I am passionate, but I'm not angry. And a lot of times, listen, that can be interpreted differently. You can be very passionate about something. Man, I'm just to tell you what I'm trying to say. Not because I'm mad. I just want to get my point across. Are you getting me? But I was in the midst of this. And man, I've got my... I like to give three points. Y'all know that. So I'm giving my three points. And I get done. I say, honey. And I can hear this. 
I said, what's wrong with you? She said, was you saying that about me? And I said, this ain't even about us. It wasn't what I was saying. It was how I was saying it. And a lot of times, man, you just need to shut up. You said, brother, where do you get that? Well, I get it from the Word of God. The wisest man who ever lives, the Bible said, is a man by the name of Solomon. He wrote the book of Proverbs and he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Let me read to you something he said in Proverbs. It's all throughout Proverbs. I mean, you can look and find it everywhere about how you need to hold your tongue, shut up. Proverbs 10, 19 says, um, first of all, look there with me. It says, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. Now, let me, let me give you that in the, in the Amplified. In a multitude of words, transgression is not lacking. When you, when you speak in a lot, if you're not careful, you, you won't have a problem sinning is what he's saying. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. Shut up. Proverbs 17, 27. Watch this. Listen. Proverbs chapter 17. I love this one. Verse number 27. He that hath knowledge spares his word. And a man of understanding is, an, is of an excellent spirit. Let me give you my mother's uh, commentary on this verse. My mama used to say this. She'd say, son, what I want you to do is close your mouth. She said, I'd a lot rather let people wonder whether or not I'm a fool than open my mouth and remove all doubt. So shut your mouth. And that's really what uh, Solomon's saying right here. He's saying the man who has understanding, the man who has a little bit of wisdom, knows when to sparingly use his words. Let me give you another one. That's Proverbs 17, 27. Go to Proverbs 21, 23. Check this out. Proverbs 21, verse number 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. Guys, we'll, we'll keep ourselves out of trouble a lot of times if we just shut up and listen. That's why James said, be slow to speak. Shut up. Ecclesiastes 5.3. That's what Solomon says. Chapter 5, verse number 3. I love this. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Somebody that's always talking, you better watch them. Not be spewing out a lot of foolishness. So sometimes you just need to hush and speak at the right time for the right reason. Brother, if you will, find for me 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're going to be looking at verses 4 through 7. We need to speak when speaking is necessary. We need to voice our opinion when our opinion is necessary. We need to deal with problems when problems are necessary. Let me tell you what happens. A lot of times in a marital relationship, we have a bunch of negative Nancys. Now, y'all know who you are. You're the pessimist in the group or in the relationship. Some people only see the glass half full. Some people see the glass half empty. Some people don't even see the glass. You've got a pessimistic viewpoint about everything, which makes you negative about everything. Listen to me, negative Nancy. You are very, very, very difficult to get along with because everything ain't always bad. But if that's all you hear all the time at home and everywhere else about how bad stuff is, that brings everybody down. So we don't need to be a negative Nancy and use our words as such. Let me tell you something else, though. Listen, you don't need to be a positive Peter always. Now, what's a positive Peter? Let me tell you what he is. He's the guy who never wants to deal with the problem. He always wants to look past it. He's just going to make something positive out of it. Guess what? Sometimes a problem is just a problem. We need to deal with it. Are you hearing me? Don't sweep the problem under the rug. If, if I today 
Got a little bitty splinter in my finger. And I saw that tonight. And I didn't deal with that very, 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 very small problem in my finger. Over time, what's going to happen? That's going to fester. It's going to get sore. And I'm not going to be able to use this finger like I need to. And Then what's going to happen? If I keep letting it go, it can get infected. If I keep letting it go with that infection in my finger, guess what? I could lose my finger. If I keep letting it go, I can lose my hand. But it all started with that little bitty splinter. And a lot of times what happens in your marriage, you've got a little bitty problem that you never deal with for whatever reason. Maybe it's because somebody won't shut up long enough to deal with it. Maybe it's because somebody ain't listening, but you're not dealing with it. And when you don't, over time that begins to fester and get sore and get infected. And it can cause you great harm in your marriage. So if you've got a problem, don't just look past it. Deal with it. A lot of people say, well, brother, I don't want to rock the boat. You better rock the boat. Sometimes a boat needs rocking. If not, you're going to be miserable. You're going to spend 30 years in a marriage that you endure instead of enjoy. When you can deal with it the right way, God's way. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, one great pastor that I heard years ago, I can't remember exactly who said it, but they gave five or six roles that we play sometimes in a marriage when we're speaking too much. He said sometimes we play the role of the judge. We say things like this, I told you so. You always do that. <laughs> let, let me say this. Be careful about using the words always and never. When you use always and never, automatically, that puts the other person on the defensive. You always do that. You're just like your mama. You're just like your daddy. What on earth were you thinking? That's the judge. Then we've got those who are the professor. They think themselves to be above everyone else. They condescendingly look down at everybody because they're smart. And they say things like this. Well, that's stupid. Why'd you do that? I don't make any sense. Why'd you say that? You don't understand that cause you're a woman. Brothers, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. You don't understand that because you're a man. Ladies, don't say it. The psychologist, you want to analyze everything they say at all times. Let me tell you why you said that. Let me tell you why you did that. Let me tell you why you're feeling that way. That can be dangerous. Historian. We all play that role sometimes, don't we? Remember me telling you last week when I heard about the man who said that whenever him and his wife fight, they get historical? His buddy said, no, you mean hysterical. He said, no, I mean historical. I mean everything I did 20 years ago, she's still bringing up. <laughs> Guys can do that too. We play the history. Remember when you did this? Remember when you said that? Remember you didn't do this when I asked you to? Some play the role of the dictator. I ain't going to allow that in my house. You ain't going to do that here. A lot of guys who mistaken what the Bible is talking about when it's talking about headship, they fall into this. 
well, it's my house. It's going to be done my way. And if you don't like it, you can leave my house. Shut up. Shut up. I ain't loving loving your wife like Christ loves the church. Get real, man. You're not a dictator. That ain't the role God gave you. Then you got the critic. I wish you could be like Joe's wife or Jimmy's husband. He just listens to her. Don't criticize. Negative Nancy, telling you. You've got to speak up in the right way at the right time for the right reason. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us how. Let me read this and we'll move on. I'm going to finish quickly, I promise. 1 Corinthians 13. Look at verse number 4, please. Charity or love suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not, it's not jealous. Charity or love vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. Doeth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not our own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. What he's saying is if you walk in love, if you live in love, if you speak in love, this is going to be your motivation. Sometimes we need to shut up. Sometimes we need to listen up. Let me tell you something else. Sometimes, sometimes we need to lighten up. You know what he says in the last part of James chapter 1, verse 19? He says, be slow to wrath. Lighten up, Francis. <laughs> Nobody got that. Y'all not a Stripes fan? Y'all don't remember Stripes? Never mind. <laughs> Look it up. Google it. Lighten up. Don't be so quick to anger. It's not all about you. You ain't got to win every argument. If you want to attack the problem and deal with it in a constructive way, if you want to communicate through conflict, you've got to lighten up. Now, that don't mean you don't ever get angry. How many of you understand if we never get angry, we cannot and will not be like the Lord Jesus? Let me tell you why. Because he got angry. Let me tell you how I know it. He went into the temple, saw that there were money changers in there making a mockery out of his father's house in the temple, and he cleared him off a spot, made him a whip, and threw a fit. Now let me tell you something. He got angry. And the Bible says that when we get angry, we need to be angry for the right reason, at the right person, at the right time. But if you're not angry at the right reason, at the right person, at the right time, then you're going to mess up being angry the right way. Amen. So again, attack the problem. Don't attack the person. Speak the truth, but speak the truth in love. Now, when you are angry, let me tell you what you don't need to do. First of all, you don't need to attack the other person. Chill out. Take a breath. Calm down. Let me say this. You don't need to appease the other person either. This happens a lot of times with women because they've got a very forceful man who's acting like a dictator more than like a loving husband. A lot of times they'll just do go along with whatever he says so they don't have to deal with the anger problems. Don't appease them. Deal with it the right way in the right tone of voice. But let me say something else. Don't attack. Don't appease. 
This is very, very important. I want to get this across to you. Don't be aggressive either. Don't put your hands on that woman. You are a weak, weak man if you're putting your hands on that woman. The scripture says she is the weaker vessel. Let me say something to you, wives, because this happens too, believe me. Don't you put your hands on him in an aggressive way. Don't put yourself in that place. Leave it alone. Deal with conflict the right way. It's never okay to do that. Never. If you're going to have conflict in your marriage, and you will, you've got to know how to deal with it. Everybody stand up. And let me say this, folks. You'll never be the husband or be the wife that God wants you to be and your spouse needs you to be unless you're in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. I'm telling you, he makes all the difference. He said, brother, how do you know that? I know that because of what he's done in my life. Folks, he's made a difference in me. I'm not where I need to be yet, but I'm sure not where I used to be. I can attest to the fact that Jesus works. <laughs> Do it his way. Do it his way. But it starts with that right relationship with him. So if you're here today and you know you've never been born again, that's the first step to a happy marriage and a happy home. Amen. You'll never know how to truly love your husband or your wife apart from a relationship with Christ. Listen, when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, when you trust in Him by faith, and you are born again in the family of God, the Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now that you have the love of God, you can give the love of God. Amen. That agape, unconditional, sacrificial love, like Christ loves us with. That's the first step, husbands and wives. If you hadn't done that, today's the day. Today's it. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Oh, God's good. God's good. I'm going to tell you something. If there were no heaven and there were no hell, I'd still trust in Jesus just so I could know him. Now, folks, there is a heaven and there is a hell, but that's not why I got saved. I got saved because the Holy Spirit of God broke my soul, broke my, soul, broke my heart, and showed me my great need for a Savior. And if he's doing that for you right now, you know he's dealing with your heart. Today's the day. Today's the day. You say, brother, I've been saved, but I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Well, guess what? The same grace that saves you keeps you. It's available for you even now to confess your sin and say, Lord, I've blown it here. I've blown it there. Whatever is going on in your life, get it right this morning. God loves you. He loves you today. You just want to come pray for your marriage, pray for your family, pray for a lost loved one. These altars are always open. You want to join this church? What are you waiting on? You've prayed about it. You know this is where God wants you. Come on. We need you. We want you. The Lord's doing work right here. I'm telling you. Don't you want to be a part of that? And be your church? Your pastor? What we're doing instead of what they're doing? 
Like I've said before, what I'm trying to say is if you've not been saved, come let us help you. I'll share with you in the Word of God what it means to truly trust in Jesus and Him change your life. If you have been saved, won't you come help us? Let's get busy in this thing. Need to be baptized? We got one of those. We'll use it in a minute. Whatever you need. This is your invitation. Brother, play for it.